Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 20 of Robot Radio. This is Greg Stammett along with Andrew Martin. We're back after a week off for uh, Independence Day last weekend. And now we're going to go into the the week of the All-Star Game. We only have three more games this week. We have uh, four days off, basically, for the team, Monday through Thursday. And tomorrow's the Home Run Derby. Tuesday, of course, is the All-Star Game. And then Wednesday and Thursday are both just plain off days, crestfallen days, if you will, so they say. When you said three more games for a minute, I was, I was thinking, wait, 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 wait. Am I missing a series? Because I already jumped the gun on when the All-Star game was. I thought, you know, before the St. Louis series, we had, it was the All-Star break. And ah. then all of a sudden we had a St. Louis series and a Padres series. And, oh, man. <laughs> yes, they moved, they moved the All-Star game to this weekend. We actually placed in – no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, how dare um, they? I was about to say we better not have another series. We could uh, – yeah. No, I was just talking about the Cincinnati series this weekend uh, before our next episode, basically. So um, let's talk a little bit about the All-Star Game, just some, some various thoughts about it and how it works and, and who was selected and so forth. So uh, what do you think about the All-Star Game in general? Well, I have problems with the All-Star Game. I think it's a cool, fun thing. At least it was, it's supposed to be. Any sports All-Star Game is supposed to be a awesome exhibition where you see the best players from each league, or at least the most popular ones, all playing a big silly game that doesn't really mean anything. You see guys make you know funnier hits, um, like the NHL All Star Game. Like no one ever checks, and when somebody does make a check, it's usually like, "Hey, we used to be teammates like five years ago, and we're still super good friends." And it was just uh, you know messing around with you. It wasn't like I'm drilling an elbow up your rib cage it was just we're having a little bit of fun here and you got checked ha take that but now that ours major league i say ours as if you know we're baseball looking out on the rest of the masses but uh the major league baseball all-star game i i don't I, i'm i'm still very very opposed to it counting because I, mean, I might have mentioned this before and i think we might have even brought this up on the podcast before but now that we're here the problem with me for me is that the fans vote for the starters and the game is supposed to count. I mean, look how many votes Jimmy Rollins who had played roughly none of the season got and we're supposed to have a game that counts. And I mean, beyond injured players being a concern, it's inherently flawed in the sense that certain fan bases are larger than other fan bases and are going to have more uh pull in the voting regardless you yeah. look at i think it was 2007 maybe it was 08 it was one of those two years where what what seven of the nine starting players for the nl were the cubs it was yeah, I remember the, the cubs plus a couple all-stars from around the league yeah, that was giovanni soto's rookie year the cubs just took over the all-star game for some reason and we lost and when i say we i mean the national league right well, we, we tend to do that. <laughs> well, I mean, for the most part, the starters, I'm not too in complaint about them. I don't, not a huge fan of Yadi Molina starting, but he got the fan vote from recognition because people are like, oh, Molina, and he's a young Molina, and he's a good Molina. And he, yeah, he is generally a good player, but he hasn't had the best season so far. Mm-mm. Um, First base Pujols, I, you can't really argue with that there. Um, so who went second base? It, it was Utley, right? It was, and then yeah. he got replaced by I can't remember who because he's got the broken now. wrist. Yeah, um, we should probably look into that real quick here. Let's see, All Star roster. I was looking for the All Star roster before, and the only one I could find re- that was reliable and updated was on Wikipedia, which is really ironic. Let's take a look at CBS here. We're looking at CBS here. Okay, so we got okay. Martin Prado is the injury replacement for ah. Chase Utley. Not a bad decision there. I don't hate that Martin Prado's starting. He's not phenomenal, but he's having a good season, so I'm okay with it. Hanley Ramirez starting. Once again, totally okay with that because Hanley Ramirez, in my estimation, is still the best shortstop in baseball. But, you know, Tulowitzki is nipping at his heels as he begins to continue to improve his game. Right. Uh, David, David Wright at third. David Wright at third. No problem really with that. I can't really think of anybody except for – oh, wait, Ryan Zimmerman, the best third baseman in baseball. Who, al- pro- who along with Carlos Gonzalez, was uh... – passed over for Hung Chi Kuo today. Now here, the, here's, uh, I, I have like a, a double... I, I see this kind of on both sides of the spectrum here. Dave Krieger of the Denver Post pointed out and uh, via Twitter saying that uh, Charlie Manuel not only passed over Ryan Zimmerman, the best third baseman in baseball, but also passed over Carlos Gonzalez to fill, an out, to fill a roster spot that was held by an outfielder in, in, in exchange for picking Hong Chi Kuo. Mm-hmm. I don't hate it, 
because Quo is having a phenomenal. He's got like a four four and a half strikeout to walk ratio and an ERA of like one, and and I mean just you know all sorts of other good numbers. Quo's a good reliever. I'm really not against that decision to pick another good player. Not to mention that the NL roster was incredibly short on left-handed pitchers. Mm-hmm. Well, my, my the bigger thing is that while I do, con- I'm, I'm glad Joey Votto made it into that last vote kind of thing there. But I am not a fan of um, the exclusion of Ryan Zimmerman, mm-hmm. and 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 I I'm obviously taking this viewpoint from the I want the best players to play, not just everybody's favorite players. And Zimmerman, I mean, he started out the season hot. He's cooled down some, but he's but he's arguably the best third base third base glove in the National League. If we're counting players who aren't all glove and you know no bat like Pedro Feliz or someone like that. Um, McCann made it, which I have no problem with. <clears throat> Gonzalez, Adrian Gonzalez in the Padres. Ryan Howard was picked because he's a Philly, and Charlie Manuel's Charlie Manuel. Um, Joey Votto is in, and he should be because he's having the best first base season in the National League. I have a quick question for you, if I can. Please. Um, is it just me, and I really haven't paid attention to the All-Star rosters all that closely, but are there usually this many replacements pre-game as there have been? Because I'm looking down the list right now. And there are, uh, let's see, at least 15 replacements. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking. I see injury replacements dotting everywhere. Like John Buck made it somehow. Yeah, okay, you have Justin Morneau. Clay was Buckholtz, replaced, concussion, which is fine. Clay Buckholz was replaced. Mariano mm-hmm. Rivera was replaced. Um, Victor Martinez was replaced. Dustin Pedroia was replaced. And then for the NL, you have Utley replaced, uh, Hayward replaced, Gallardo replaced, Wagner replaced, and I mean, he was a replacement. <laughs> yeah, I know, a replacement is replaced, go figure. Um, I kind of wonder why then, they would, why would Manuel even make the pick there if he knew that he wasn't going to do it? I mean, give, was it give him an extra $25,000 or whatever. That, on the contract. <laughs> that's um, kind of funny, actually, to think about. It's like, hey, you want some money? Here, I'm picking you as an all-star. Oh, you're not going to play? That's too bad. Right. And then like you... The same thing happened with Tulowitzki, who was replaced by Reyes, who was then replaced by Fercal. So, yeah, interestingly enough, Rafael Fercal. Okay. Um, no, I mean it, it. I random injuries to good players is what's causing this, which is you know obviously what's going on here. I guess I can't think of any other <laughs> better uh, explanation than that. Than it was just you know random dice roll here, but. <laughs> I mean, obviously we've ranted about this on the blog, and I'm going to bring it up again just so I can make sure to throw it out again because it's kind of a travesty that Miguel Olivo didn't get picked. I mean, the thing is that nobody recognizes him as being a good player right now except for Rockies fans. Because remember coming into last season, he was a backup. It was kind of even a joke that we had him. I mean, he was like, ah, I guess he'll be able to throw some guys out and that, and then strike out 150 he, times. He was, he was basically a cheap Torrealba, or at least he was seen that way. Yeah, that's when that's we a good signed him. Um, yeah, a cheaper Tori Alba who has you know not a very different skill set, but when you know, kind of stack them next to each other, I mean the skill sets and deficiencies all kind of add up next to each other. Dingers mm-hmm. and throwing runners out and woo. Right, he he basically had more power but less. Uh, so and, and and also better throwing out base runners, but behind the plate he was considered to be pretty horrible. I mean, half all-star voting happens, and that, when I say happens, the all-stars for this season are pretty much picked in the fans' minds by the playoffs the year before, because everyone knows who the best players are, and then whoever the hotshot stud like Jason Hayward is, is going to get snuck in there as well. Mm-hmm. But I mean, usually it's the reputation votes, and that's kind of actually the gold glove. Why don't fans just vote for the gold gloves too? Um... That's sarcasm, if you couldn't tell. But, uh, I mean, Pujols, uh, he's not having the – he's still having a very good season. I mean, he's hitting a lot of home runs, but he's not having – It's not. he's not batting 340. He's not Pujols. Oh, my gosh, what's wrong with him? Right. <clears throat> but, uh, I mean, like, Votto's not getting – didn't get selected by the fans until the, uh, you know, extra voting. And right. I'll be proud to say that I definitely spammed his name in there quite a few times. I'm too lazy to vote, but if I did, I would have voted for Votto. I found a way to do it with my cell phone where I could just keep sending the number, sending N3, N3, N3 to the same number. And, uh, yeah, voted for Joey Votto a bunch of times. Which is going to cu- get me branded as a traitor for not voting Carlos Gonzalez, but... I don't I mean, think I'm, so. I'm sorry that I'm not as impressed by an 875 OPS as I am by a plus 1,000 OPS. I mean, I know. Straight I, I, me up, hard feather me. No, I completely agree with you that Votto deserved the spot, and if I had voted, I would have voted for him hands down. I did vote a couple of times in the regular 
voting, and I voted for Votto over Pujols. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Um, I'm proud of you. No, I've I've been on I've I've been interested in his season for a while, so I am fully in support of of his getting selected. In fact, the Reds in general, I'm excited to see them finally. They're one of two teams we haven't played yet, and uh, you know, people have been wondering if they were they were gonna w- 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 <clears throat> sorry when they were gonna break out because they had all 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 the talent to do it, but it's, it's been there for a couple of years now. It has. And, uh, you know, I went in basically thinking, eh, you know, it's just going to be the, the same as it ever is. And I mean, I always maybe foolishly, but at least partly accurately, I think, think of the NL central as kind of the bottom pit division kind of place. Yeah. And so I knew that the Cubs weren't going to be very good. And I knew, I thought the Cardinals were going to have a runaway, uh, with the, uh, with the division. But I, uh, the Reds of course have, uh, stayed with them every step of the way, and right now they're ahead of them thanks to uh, some of the work we did on the Cardinals this mm-hmm. week. So I'm excited. I mean, I, I can say honestly that I'm a bit nervous, but I'm still excited to see what 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 their team has uh, has has kind of come up with. Well, so much of it for the Reds, and we'll, be, we'll get off the Reds and obviously in just a second here, but they're getting a lot of their young players to finally step up and show up. Um, we're still, there's still, we're still kind of waiting on when Jay Bruce is going to really reach his potential, but he's a plus fielder in right field for them. He's posting an above average weighted on base average and he's young. You know, I think they're going to be okay, but like, look at, um, boy, you got, uh, let's see, Joey Votto, a 432 weighted on base average and a 1009 OPS, a uh, Ryan Hannigan's having a very Miguel Oliva wish season for them, except it's far more on base percentage driven, but he's being pretty much a stud for them in part-time duty. Uh, Scott Rowland's kind of having a career renaissance yeah. with a with a three eighty five weighted on base average. Uh, Scott Rowland is, is doing well, tied for fourth on the uh, All Star team for most All Star games attended, and you know he's been around a while. So Rowland was phenomenal back with the Cardinals. Oh my goodness, Scott Rowland and Jim Edmonds saved. I think it was my two thousand four two thousand five team. Just phenomenal seasons out of the both of them. But uh, I mean, the Reds have got a lot of good pieces in a lot of the right places. I mean. Even Go- Johnny Gomes is being an above-average player. Uh, Ramon Hernandez, while not phenomenal, he's doing well enough for himself. Um, I mentioned Bruce already. Brandon Phillips is having a decent season. And he's on the all-star team again. Yeah, well, Phillips is a pretty good player. Oh, he is, absolutely. I mean, Arthur look at Rhodes their... is, is representing the Reds as well. Mm-hmm. Basically, their their numbers come down to Votto is a stud batting and fielding. Phillips is okay. You know, he, he's decent batting, you know, be, decently good, not just decent like meh. But he's good fielding and very good fielding, I should say. Rollins above average fielding and having a good batting season. Uh, Bruce is you know okay uh, batting and above average fielding. Um, yeah, there's not too many holes in that lineup there right now. Um, a little concerned about Drew Stubbs, but anyways, the entire point of the story is that uh, you know the Reds have kind of arrived. Mm-hmm. Although I should notice that mention that Orlando Cabrera is terrible. Um, he's above average fielding, but is he playing shortstop for them right now. I believe so. 377 plate appearances and he is batting 245, 283, 329. Good for a 65 WRC plus a 278 weighted on base average. I still can't believe how many people wanted us to sign Orlando Cabrera oh my, in the offseason. I mean, as much as we want to complain about uh, Melvin Mora, um, I would, ru- oh my goodness gracious. No, I'm, he would have been a, we might as well just call up Omar Quintanilla. Mm-hmm. Again. Or Jonathan but, uh, Herrera. So, so, or who? Or Jonathan Herrera. Or, exactly. exactly. Yeah. And Johnny Herrera is, at, is having a much better season. Well, sort of. It depends on how you look at it, but we can talk about that later. Um, he, he's, he's, he's been he, – he, he's more shiny. I'll put it that way. Exactly. He's, got, he's posting a good batting average, and I'm not going to deny him that, and he's playing good second base. I'm not going to deny him that either. Good for you. You are doing well, Johnny Herrera. Pat on the back. Should we, should we talk about Johnny Herrera here? Or should we keep it on the All Star game for a little um, bit? Are there any other things you want to discuss about the All Star game? Or well, I mean, really, I I don't think there's much more I can say other than it seems to be a complete contradiction of concepts. We want fan voting, one of the fans' favorites in there, but we also need to win for a World Series advantage. Um, you know, I, I guess it doesn't make that much of a difference. It's a one game difference. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, well, I, 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 we have fans vote and we don't have account for anything or we have the players and managers pick and have account for everything. 
I fit along with you where it, it bothers me to it to an extent that it means something. Um, but that's not amongst the the real things that kind of anger me about the All Star Game. And the first thing is definitely the way the teams are selected. And it's not just the fan voting for me; it's kind of all of them because I think that. I have the same problem with these sorts of selections as I do with the way awards like the Silver Slugger or the Gold Glove are selected, in that people don't these these managers and people on the selection committee don't can't possibly uh, have the time while they're managing a baseball team to really get a, any sort of chance to watch and absorb any other player's skills or actions. And so what they, they end up doing, at least in my opinion, at least what I can guess, is they don't really put a whole lot of effort into picking who they want on the team. It's going to be a look at who's who's got a, a high batting average, who's got a lot of wins, who's got a low ERA. Okay, pick them, 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 and them, and... Oh, there's still two teams that don't have a player. Uh, who looks good? That one and that one. Done. Mark Redman. There you go. Pick Mark Redman. Uh-huh. And so I, I feel like when you have, and I mean, it's not just Charlie Manuel, for example, that picks these people, and it's not just players scattered around. There's there's committees and of, of people who represent the, the league or whatever. I don't know how the whole Well, let's remember, that he, has, he has his coaching staff, too, which includes Bud Black of the Padres. Uh-huh. So at least we got an NL West representative in there to kind of say, hey, check out this guy. He's good. Right. And, and I wouldn't doubt that Bud Black was a major impact into why Tulowitzki got picked at all. Mm-hmm. Maybe. So, I, I, I mean, the, the fan voting is one thing. And, you know, I have <laughs> kind of the same problem with fan voting as I do with uh, the, the way people vote regularly. <laughs> but uh, in the case of... Uh, of the all-star game, like, like we pretty much already discussed, certain fan bases will have an inherent advantage and people will vote instead of for who is deserved, but, but for their entire team, you know, and obviously Rockies fans do this too. I'm sure that at least 50% of the ballots that are filled out at Coors Field are just Rocky, Rocky down the, you know, the, the list. And that probably happens at every ballpark. Uh, so well, you look at their homepages. When All Star voting begins, you get that banner ad with uh, with, with where know. every single person on your team is like uh, highlighted. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm surprised that they almost don't have a uh, an option on the ballot. This like vote, vote for Rocky. everybody on one team, and then you just yeah. Um, I don't. know. I mean, maybe I'm, I'm. I guess I'm being kind of a snob about it, but. When I make all-star votes, I just can't pick all Rockies. I mean, if I decide to go spam happy on it, yeah, I'll probably throw in a few ballots that are all Rockies just for the fun of it. But I remember um, 2008, even though he'd been DFA'd and shipped off to Timbuktu, Jason Nix was like, vote Jason Nix for the all-star game. <laughs> the pre-printed ballot says, vote Jason Nix for the all-star game. I'm like, yeah. you've got to be kidding me. Jason Nix is an option. I mean, we're playing some combination of Barmus, Baker, and Johnny Herrera at second base. Uh, okay. Uh-huh. And, I mean, and, and, and Ian Stewart was also in that mix at the time. Yeah, yep, at second. Oh, yeah, gosh, that's a little. <laughs> anyway, so, um, yeah, we could, uh, is there anything more you wanted to say then? Because you seem to have a uh, even more of a strong opinion about it than I do. Because I, I just think it's kind of dumb, but... You seem to be. Very- I, I I think it's just a flawed system on on just about every level. Most people just complain about the uh, the fan voting, or maybe about who's picked or who's snubbed or who's not. But it just seems like. I mean, I. This is funny coming from me because I always hype the subjectivity of baseball. I always, even though I respect the statistics of the game, I always, you know, take the position that if you look at statistics, you can all, pretty much always find something to back up your argument regardless of what your argument is. Um, if you know how to read the stats correctly, that's not necessarily the case, but still. Uh, so it, it, it's funny hearing me say this, but I almost wish there was a more objective way to pick the players. Um, as if there there were some some uh, rubric or or such that would grade players into deserving to be there. So of basically, course, pick the All Star Game by the Elias Sports Bureau's free agent rankings. Well, hopefully not. <laughs> well, that's pretty. That, that I mean, not not uh, 
that's pretty much what it sounds like you want to see. Well, no, I, I completely understand, and I, I'm not certainly I'm not saying that necessarily that this system would be any better, but it would eliminate some of the problems, if not create new problems. I think the problem is I agree that it, it, any such formula to grade performance is going to be arbitrary, no matter what creates it. But uh, it's I guess just the mix of the mix of fan voting and then manager picking you're kind of mixing two different kinds of uh, stupidity is the wrong word, but two different kinds of bias because of the fans. You got obviously the bias from the bigger fan bases with the managers. It's like you already said, you got the guys like, Oh wait, we played them and this guy was good. Okay. Him. Mm-hmm. Um, or, and, and things along those lines there, you're, you're, you're subject to different kinds of uh, subjectivity is the way you put it. So, I mean, it's like pick one or pick none or pick all, all or, you know, maybe do a third of it fan voting, a third of it manager and player voting, a third of it, you know, I don't know, crazy statistic voting or something like that. Right. So if, I mean, we, if we try to pick an all like an all war team from the National League, ju- just uh, clicking through it like this, I mean, your best your catcher out of, we'll just pick guys who have yeah, whatever. Your best catcher would be da 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 Miguel Olivo. Your first baseman would be. Wait, this is Joy Votto. Second baseman would be Chase Utley or Martin Prado. So those are both actually the most. And then Brandon Phillips. So those are all your correctest choices. Uh-huh. And then Dan Uggles right behind him, and then Kelly Johnson. Shortstop, you got for call. Uh, then Tulo, then Hanley. Oh, wow. Han- Tulo's actually up ahead of. Wow. Even Hanley's after lucky. being out for two weeks. Yeah, Hanley yeah. and Tulo both have 2.6 wins above replacement. That's. Uh, well, I mean, that'll be devastated the minute. To, uh, Hanley Ramirez plays another game, but uh, yeah, so third base, your best third base in the National League goes to David Wright. Okay, so that's another good pick there. And then Zimmerman right behind him, and then Scott Rowland, but there's kind of a, a hefty drop-off from Zim to Rowland. Um, and then your three outfielders are going to be, drumroll please, da, 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 Matt Holliday of the Cardinals, Andres Torres of the Giants, Marlon Bird of the Cubs, and then your two reserves would be Josh Willingham of the Nats, who gets no credit for anything whatsoever, which makes me sad, <laughs> and Angel Pagan of the Mets. Huh. Wow. That doesn't say, I mean, Holiday and, no, Matt Holiday is the only one who sounds like an all-star player in there. Right. Marlon Burr gets all the represent, gets all the recognition because, first of all, you had the, uh, there's a bit of hype about him being, you know, the replacement of Milton Bradley. And uh, Andres Torres, nobody knows who he is because he's, uh, he's batting very well and having a very studly fielding season. Yeah, the, uh, the I, I... I occasionally take a look at those uh, wins above replacement categories on fan graphs, and I've always noticed Andres Torres up there, but it's really kind of heightened by a ridiculously positive defensive uh, oh, yeah. contribution. And, and we, we, and we can no- argue about fielding metrics, and I, I don't. I think it's difficult to pick one or the other because, or, or any of like the six that are available to us, because I think they're all very sketchy. Yeah, and, you saw. And, you, I think I assume you saw my rant on UZR. <laughs> that, yeah, uh, I, I don't. I would get mad at UZR, but I really just don't care that much because, well, it kind of is what it is. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, I'm trying to see if I can find the value because Fangraphs has their own value stat on there too now, which is awesome. Yeah. But um, let's see. You're ta- uh, you can't filter by players. Never mind. Uh, I got to just pick the top. The top wins above replacement in the National League. Adrian Gonzalez, David Wright, Angel Pagan, Joey Votto, Albert Pujols, Aubrey Huff, Andres Torres, Matt Holliday. Adam Dunn, Zimmerman, Fercal, Utley, Tulo, Olivo, McCann, Corey Hart, Scott Rowland, Willingham, Rasmus, Prado, and that's your top 20 right there. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of those guys were accurately represented in the actual voting and selection process. So I don't know. We want to say that arbitrary and subjective voting is super flawed, and then we should pick a statistical metric to pick it on. I mean, they don't seem to be that far out of alignment. It just seems that they're the not that. I'm I'm still thinking back again. We 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 obviously have our personal uh, players like for you, Ryan Zimmerman, for example, that you're a little upset didn't make the team. But uh, still, in general, even if this year it worked out okay for the most part, you look at again that 2008 season with the the uh, NL All Star Cubs. Uh, it's there's still room there for for things that you know just clearly don't don't quite work the way that you want them to. Yeah. Holy moly, have we talked about the All-Star game for half an hour? We have. Let's move on to uh, – let's talk about Taylor Buckholtz for a little bit. Oh, boy. 
Um, he's not doing well on the rehab assignment. He's on a second rehab assignment uh, of the season so far. For a while, there was some some rumbling that maybe, especially after Manny Corpus went through his little mini meltdown for that week, that maybe it was time to activate Taylor. And really, I mean, there, there's no physical limitation preventing us from doing it right now. We could activate him any time. He's way past his activation uh, minimum. Yeah. He's a month past it. He's eligible. He's already been on two rehab assignments. So I guess I'll, I'll field it to you because you uh, have the stats open. Why is he not being called up? Well, he's been stinking. That's about the size of it. He In Modesto, he basically pitched like an inning. Three innings. He had one. We were talking about this before we started recording. Is that he had that? He had one inning of relief work as a starter. Whatever that. I mean, I, I'm not too familiar with how they do things in the minors because I've had the uh, benefit of living close enough to the major league club that I have never really taken the time to go watch I've, the minor. I've been paying attention to the minor leagues really closely ever since I started Libra, and I oftentimes have the uh, the game days up or the box scores just to follow them kind of out of the corner of my eye, but I can tell you I've never seen that before. So it's not a regular thing to see them kind of doing a, a reliever merry-go-round for no. the uh, – so, so no reliever, relief buffets as a starting candidate. Okay. I mean, well, his, basically, it, happens, it basically happens for the same reasons it happens in the major leagues. You know, if we, we we've seen once this season, I think it was with the Dodgers, we kind of saw their, their bullpen pitch one full game, and it was because they literally didn't have a starter ready to pitch. So in the minors, I guess it could be a similar situation that like whoever was going to start for Modesto was like which makes sick sense or something. And it, it, uh, we did we did the same thing in 2007 during that right at be before that October run started against Philadelphia. We started a. Uh, Danny Bautista go two innings because we mm-hmm. literally did not have a starter. And like Clint Hurdle and Bob Abadek and nursed him through those two innings. So we got out scoreless. And then Mark Redman's like, ha ha, I'm going to come in and, and get myself another contract next year and pitch like five or six scoreless innings. <laughs> anyway, um, Modesto buckles. It was, you know, phenomenal in Modesto. And if he's, he should be phenomenal in Modesto. He's supposed to be a major league pitcher. The minute he hit the Springs, he has fallen off a cliff. I mean, he, he, he's he got a 9-6 to six strikeout to walk ratio. He's allowed three home runs. And this is all obviously in the small sample, but you got to ke- keep in mind that... All he, rehab assignments are small samples. Exactly. It's so, right. I mean, so coming from my perspective as being the statistics guy, a one-and-a-half strikeout to walk ratio sucks, considering he is very... When he was good, and, like really good in 2008, he had like a, you know, a, a plus-three strikeout to walk ratio. And even the season before where he didn't know what he was doing, starting and relieving... He had a plus three strikeout to walk ratio. Buckles does not walk like anybody. He's a very good control pitcher, and he can even get some decent amounts of strikeouts. And the move to the pen was evident that he was able to kind of rear back and throw his stuff. But uh, so far, he's had trouble locating. Yeah, he's, he's, he's off on him. He, he's, he's, he's basically walking one per every other inning. So he's got a line drive rate. Do I have anything about that? Uh, yeah, twenty-two point seven percent line drives. They are teeing off on him. He's not getting ground balls. He's not even getting that many fly balls. He's getting a decent – I mean, again, the super small sample there, but batters are just squaring up on him and hitting him well. It's it's not acceptable. Like, uh, I mean, the good thing is he's still getting a decent number of swinging strikes. Like, when he was awesome in 2008, he had a 17.5% swinging strike percentage, and it's a 133 in AAA. Which you know is acceptable, I guess, but it's, it's like it, the walks, he cannot seem to locate, and because he's not locating, he's hanging everything, and he's getting hit hard. Not ready for the majors. And he's been back on rehab assignment about three weeks now, I believe, maybe two. Um, it, it's complicated with those rehab assignments because when they remove you from rehab, they don't remove you from the roster. There's some weird thing where like you're still on the team until you're activated in the majors, but you're not eligible to play. So basically, Taylor Buckles never left Colorado Springs. He just kind of couldn't play anymore. Uh, now, now with a now you understand the transactions better than I do. When you're on the 60-day DL, you could just be on the 60-day DL forever, couldn't you? Well, not forever. Every person on the disabled list needs to come off the disabled list after the season's over for the reserves filing. You basically, you can't like, uh, otherwise you could put every single player in your, in your team on the 60 day DL and have unlimited roster space to protect like every rule five oh, draft okay. pick ever. That makes sense. So they make you activate everybody. 
before December twentieth. So and then we but, get, but, then we re we re up his contract and just put him right back in the DL, which then, is right? exactly what happened. I mean, we, he was on the sixty day the entire year two thousand nine. He went off in December, and then right when the season started, he went back on. So there's no pressure to take him off to play. He can stay while he gets healthy, however long is necessary. But he's he can't stay technically on the disabled list the entire time. We just we just are, the only time we have to take him off is while the season isn't going on. And I wish we kind of had more insight from like the beat from people like that to kind of say what's going on because all we can really look at. I mean, without actually you know driving down there to see all his relief. I mean, how can you predict when he's going to pitch a relief appearance? You know. Without going and watching every Sky Sox game, it's kind of hard for us to really give a good scouting report on it. And I know we have some correspondence in Tulsa with Purple Row, but uh, he's not in Tulsa. He's in the Colorado Springs. And, you know, again, it's a little bit difficult to be uh, trying to catch up on him. So all yeah, we I... have to look at is stat line. So Buck Holtz, I'm, you know, we are only looking at the stats, but I am concerned that we are putting a lot of faith. And we don't, I mean, the worst guy in our pitching staff in the, rota- in the bullpen right now has got to be Corpus. Mm-hmm. And we and the fact that Corpus has pretty much been demoted to slop work now, I mean it, it, it's it's depressing. But if if our worst pitcher, it, actually it's kind of funny because his uh, all his linear weight stuff say that he's actually uh, positive still. But I think but that's, it, probably, that's probably it, a lot of that being cushioned by how good he was earlier this season. And more importantly, for the value stats, especially how valuable he was in the more intense closers role. Yeah. When uh, I mean, he's still listed. I haven't checked in a while, but I assume he's still listed as like our third or fourth most valuable reliever of the season because of how good he was for like his three weeks in the closers role. Based on these, the, the TRA stats, which uh, I've written about them. So if you want to look back and find them, yeah. Um, presented by stat corner. Uh, the best we've had has been Belial by a long shot. Yeah, and like, he's, he's, he's way up there in value for fan graphs as he's well. He's been more valuable than any of our starting pitchers. If you just want to look at his uh, just strict value stats there. Um, following him is Bimal. Which is awesome. That's Following interesting him, because on Fangraphs he's not up there, or at least he well, wasn't. I can check. Let's remember the Fangraphs also use a strictly like FIP based value, mm-hmm. and his strikeout to walk and stuff like that isn't that impressive. It basically, if you just look at FIP, um, Joe Bimo is being held afloat by the fact that he never allows home runs. He gets enough movement on his pitches that people just miss at home, like evidenced by like uh, the Saturday night game against uh, against San Diego where. Uh, Bimal was pitching, Gonzalez teed off on him, and Gonzalez made that great catch at the wall. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's uh, the fact that he doesn't allow home runs almost ever is pretty much what keeps his value afloat as far as that goes. But considering the linear weights and the fact that he is getting a lot of crappily hit balls that go straight to, you know, infielders and outfielders and stuff, you yeah. know, basically people aren't making solid contact off of him. Um, I think he's earned that 5.8 pitching runs against, or at pitching runs against, whatever, above average. There we go. Um, after him, has interestingly enough, Manny Corpus, and then our fourth best, even though he's pitched so little so far, Houston Street. Nice. Houston Street is our fourth best reliever by value, and usually value is, you know, kind of a function of playing time. Right. But and considering how long Houston Street's been up, you wouldn't think it'd be that high. But nobody's touched him this season. He's just been that effective so far. Yeah. For he fan- had that one run that he gave up. Uh huh. For fan. Oh, what were you about to say? Well, I was just going to say, on Fangraph Street is already in fifth, which is kind of similarly amazing. Um, yeah, he's, so four, he's, whatever, In fact, I mean. he, he's very close to catching Joe Bimal. Uh, mm. on, on, uh, I'm using uh, Fangraph's uh, runs above replacement right now. And then with wins above replacement, I think it stacks up generally pretty much to be the same. Uh, oh. oh, except unfortunately... I think our bottom line here... I think but, our bottom line here is that we're worried about Buck Holtz. Let's let him try to figure out what's going on. Because, I mean, we got to be kind of realistic here at some point. We have a strong bullpen. We have one of the better pitching staffs in the majors, top to bottom. If Taylor Buck Holtz can't find it and it ends up being a September call-up, you know what? That's going to be okay unless something drastic happens. Yeah. The only pitches we're really c- concerned about are, like, back-end bullpen we're ta- and then Randy Flores, of course. But uh, well, and we've we've had some issues in the rotation recently, but they haven't been. Uh... Well, Buckholz isn't a rotation candidate. We're just well, no, I, I know. I'm just speaking for the pitching staff in general because you had said that we have a fantastic pitching pitching staff, basically top to bottom. I would agree with that. It's just it's it's kind of in a lower form than it, it normally is at this point. 
But, I mean, I certainly don't necessarily expect to keep that up. And, I, look, I have nothing but positive things to say about the bullpen because I was terrified of our bullpen going into the season. I thought it was going to be awful. Now, we're, we're pretty much a uh, – uh, the, the sports writers, like the Woody Pages, we're like we're like a, a dream staff for him because uh, we're the kind of pitching staff where it's made up a bunch of ragamuffins and, you know, couldn't do it and, uh, with other teams kind of guys and stuff like that, and we are – Doing incredibly well right now, and it's a kind of rags to riches is probably the wrong way to put it, but you know we're like the uh, we're like the Indians in Major League. There we go, <laughs> bunch of guys you wouldn't expect to do well doing very well. Mm-hmm. So good for us. I mean, it, Houston Street's obviously a star. Bancourt was a wa- not really a wash up, but like one of those middling guys in Cleveland. Um, yep. Bymol's a journeyman. Uh, Belial's a failed starter. And they're all doing quite well for us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, good for the bullpen. No, I'm I'm very pleased. And, uh, you know, seeing people like Bimal and Flores, or, yeah, Bimal, Belial, and Flores and all these people experienced to some degree of success is, is very pleasing. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, speaking of the bullpen real quick, there's one other injury note to note. Matt Daly is apparently going to be going on a rehab assignment soon. Not that it matters much, because as soon as he's ready to go, he's going to be optioned. And, he, and he's been doing quite well, and uh, in his limited time in AAA, he was looking pretty good. Yeah, he was only there for like two days. I mean, he was there for more than two days, but he was there for like two games. Yeah, he wasn't if, there very long, and but those, that, that short amount of time he was there, he was very effective. I don't know if you still have the Sky Sox stats up. I can uh, wait to him. I want to see how many games he actually got in because it wasn't very many. Matt Daly pitched, yeah, only two games. Uh, Basically, two he, he three strikeouts, over. one walk, two hits. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, Matt Daly's uh, uh, on stack corner. He uh, basically got enough, you know, outs, so to speak, to fill up about two and a third innings. Um. Yeah, he has a TRA of one six eight, which translates into roughly a like a one point four, one point five ERA. Yeah, he he did pretty well for himself in that very very short stint. You know who's been doing really well in our minor league system this year? Matt Reynolds, Scott, Scott Rice. Scott Rice. Take a look at his Double A stats first, and he was promoted to Triple A. He's pitched in five games at Triple A. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Four point two innings. He has given up one hit. And, That's good. And one walk and three strikeouts. I'm looking at his numbers from Tulsa. Um, good inning low, 46 and two-thirds innings in Tulsa. 33 strikeouts to 18 walks. Not phenomenal, but decent. Um, eight runs allowed, 23 hits, uh, 307 FIP, which is pretty decent. Um, it's called a Springs. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, four and two-thirds innings, three strikeouts, one walk, one hit. I'm a, I'm a fan, and that hit wasn't a home run either. He was a uh, a minor league free agent signing, kind of like Nick Beerbrot was. Yeah. So he's not the kind of person you're expecting a lot from. He was he was selected as uh you know to be minor league filler basically. And he's twenty eight. Uh huh. And the fact that he started at Double A really highlights that you know he was literally there to fill a roster spot. Yeah. But if he keeps this up, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we sign him into another minor league contract next year. Uh, occasionally you find people who do this. I mean, heck, they they re-signed Damian Moss last year, and he did he didn't even do very well. Um, and of course now we released him. So well, it's it's like when I whenever I play a baseball sim game, and yes, I know this doesn't translate directly, but I will look over my uh, potential free agents, even my potential minor league free agents, and say, okay, who is potentially going to be a? Uh, I mean, who, who who's looking to go? Okay, we got guys like Shane Lindsay who might hit minor league free agency in my sim game. And I say, oh well, he's still got a lot of upside if he can ever fill out those talents, even though he's a bit older now. Um, let's see if he'll re you know accept the minor league you know re up, and he he does, and you know maybe he makes it, maybe he doesn't. You know, the point is is that I can resign AAA free agents too. Right. Um, anything else interesting to talk about? Well, you had some things to say about Johnny Herrera earlier. Oh, if you want to wrap up with that. We can touch on them. It's kind of a controversial topic. So, I mean, if we want to, we can. And I'm going to write about it in the Rock Pile as well. So if you're listening to this on Monday morning, um, you can probably read about it too because I'm going to write the same thing I'm saying essentially right here. But it's good to reiterate. Yeah, um, just, just give a basic introduction to your thesis or whatever, and maybe we'll exactly. have a minute. I'll give you my executive yeah. summary. Um, 
My thought process is that Johnny Herrera is hitting for an, a fun but empty average right now. And this is where people get mad at me and say, oh, batting average is all that matters. And uh, yeah, whatever. He doesn't hit for power. He doesn't hit, get extra base hits despite his two doubles and one triple so far. Um, he doesn't walk. And he's just kind of our scrappy. Our, well, I guess he's, you know, Dominican, so he can't be scrappy. So whatever he is, whatever you call he, Dominican players he, that exhibit scrappy tendencies. He's actually Venezuelan. Oh, I'm sorry, Venezuelan. Yeah. Point is, the only thing about like white guys like David Eckstein is being scrappy. Maybe even Jason Kendall, if you want to go that far. But um, yeah, the point is, is that it's good to see him doing all right. And this can kind of extend to Brad Eldred, but I mean, Brad Eldred's just kind of been, you know, wee, he's exciting because he's different. And he's the first baseman who's not hurt or, and not Melvin Mora. And is right-handed. And is, especially because he's right-handed. But yeah. uh, the point entirely is, is that the you know all season we've been talking about how we need a second baseman we should get Kelly Johnson we should get Dan Ugly we should I Ricky think we Weeks look... no I'm just kidding <laughs> yeah, it's not I, I don't hate the idea still no um, I I don't either I was just I I was basically it, just joking because that's like my my one name that I've been throwing out there a bunch of times and people have been like weren't you talking about Ricky Weeks the other week and I was like huh I guess uh, I'm I'm tuning people onto Ricky Ricky Weeks so I had to get my one. <laughs> Ricky well, Weeks. considering the Brewers are listening on, like, Fielder and Corey Hart, I mean, I can't imagine the Ricky Weeks is going to be that. Uh, I think they're just also thinking about, you know, resignability and stuff like that, but whatever. Um, the fact that we are talking – the fact that we stopped talking about really needing it because these guys are doing the job, I'm afraid that they're going to do the job well enough up to the deadline that we won't make a move. And then 2011 comes around, and we are still stuck with, you know, utility players at best at second base, and – who knows what Todd Helton will have left in the tank, if anything, if he doesn't retire or something yeah, like I that. Yeah, I touched on this when I wrote that uh, one uh, that one article kind of that just kind of summed up our organizational depth close to or at the major league level at each position. Let's and, remember that Johnny Herrera is not – I'm sorry, I interrupted you. You should finish your thought first before well, I jump to my I, – I was basically just going to point out that you know we don't have any um, – you, you have Chris Nelson – who may or may not be able to come into the season in the Jason Nick situation and be ready to start as a major league second baseman at at some point over the next two years. Um, and then we have Barmas next year because he spent most of the minors in 07. He's still arbitration eligible for an extra year. So he's not going anywhere. And then other than that, you've got Herrera, you've got Quintanilla. If he, I mean, he, he's eligible for minor league free agency, but knowing Quintanilla, he might resign anyway, just to be minor league depth or something. Point being, I mean, I am not at all opposed to the idea of if we don't trade at the very least, pulling in free agent talent in the offseason to take a look at second base. Well, I think the, the fact of the matter is is that we are still in a rough spot in the sense of um, these guys might be getting the job done in the very short term, but Johnny Herrera doesn't even have a good minor league slash line. The fact that he's hitting this well in the majors, and I mean, good for him, and maybe, I mean... I'll get, I'll go ahead and accept, give the disclaimer and accept the possibility that maybe he's turned a corner, maybe he's blah blah blah. I I don't like him at second base. Still, he's good defensively, but he hits for an extremely empty average. Like I said, we also have to keep in mind not just regarding Herrera, but at second base with Barmas as well. I mean, I I've, I've always been kind of one of the devil's advocates with him because you know he's an easy target for people to pick on, and I would always you know be the one kind of reminding people that you know yeah sure we could have a better second baseman, but he's not quite a waste of space even when he's uh, when he's not doing very well. But since he's come around, you know he's had a, a very he's he, he as he usually does. He had a great June. He's kind of continued some of the success through the, these these first weeks of July. So we can't forget though that I don't know of any major league baseball player who's had a more unpredictably anomalous career than Barmas. Yeah, exactly. He I mean, could to, he could tomorrow go over 50. <laughs> yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised at all yeah. if we keep him in the lineup because of his glove or something like that. I, I guess so the, the point, point is even if we when Tulowitzki comes back and we shift Barmas back to second to get rid of Herrera, we could still use an upgrade. At the very yeah, we, we need to be more than a possibility for... because Barmas is just so unpredictable. I Barmas hope... is unpredictable. Oh. Herrera kind of stinks in the in reality. I mean, yeah, he's doing well right now, but it is, I don't have any faith in him whatsoever going forward. Um, we have, we still need to address second base. Right, and and your point basically is that we don't want to forget that just because yeah. Barmas and Herrera have been 
uh, stepping up and performing their heads off while Tulo's been out. I mean, how many utility guys do you see who do this, who suddenly have a streak of hotness, get the start the next year, and then fall off a cliff? It happens all the time. Happened with uh, the Padres second baseman last year, Luis Rodriguez, I believe. Oh, he... uh, Luis Rodriguez. I think that was his name. Maybe it was two years ago before they got Eckstein. We're not thinking about a we're not thinking about uh, Adrian Gonzalez's brother, are we? No, he was he was a utility player to 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 go. I know that w- one year, maybe it was two thousand eight. Luis Rodriguez, I'm looking it up right now, started for them. That uh, sounds right. I just the point is the guy is still not not there anymore. Yeah, it was. Uh, uh, he was there in 08 and 09, so I'm not really sure what his deal was with uh, with Eckstein or not, and I might be misremembering. All I remember is that he was a utility player for Minnesota who got uh, the opportunity to be the starting second baseman for San Diego to start the season at least at some point. Um, and right now he is in the White Sox minor league system. So we We need to be looking at positions that are going to be holes next year. Seriously, because if they were a hole before these guys got hot, they're going to be a hole when these guys cool down. Because no, there's nothing else has really changed except Tulowitzki and Helton going down. Exactly. Nobody except for like Ichiro carries a high batting average and never walks, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, and Ichiro can slap a single anywhere. Yeah, and Herrera's not Ichiro. I'm sorry. Yeah. That that that's my that, that's the entire point there. So if you have opinions on this, please bring it up in the comments. But I know we're going to be talking about it too in the rock pile. So. I guess it'll just be another day with no comments on Robot Radio. Yeah, that tends to be that way. We still we still get people listening, but they're all through Twitter. According hi to, everyone on Twitter. According to the uh, the people incoming from the page, there's some ridiculous number where like three quarters of the incoming traffic to Robot Radio is through the Twitter post as opposed to the blog, which doesn't happen for any other uh, co- uh, column on the blog. So go figure, huh? Okay, yeah. go us. Um, just reviewing the schedule for the next week. We already touched on it, but we have the all-star stuff, uh, home run derbies tomorrow evening, and then the all-star game on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, uh, are off days. Uh, Ian Stewart can go play video games and talk about it on Twitter. Eh. Um, <laughs> Twitter's so great. Yeah. Uh, I, that's just one, one, one last comment I'll make is that Ian Stewart's Twitter is hilarious to me because he advertises. He's like, hey, I'm playing Modern Warfare 2. You want to come play Modern Warfare 2 with me? Here's my Xbox Live tag. How do you think his wife feels about all this? Oh, I don't know. Is he married? I don't even... Yep, he married Joe Mikulak's wife. That's right. I I, I mean, not not his wife. (laughs) (laughs) They're polygamists. (laughs) Yeah. Um, No, I I knew what you meant. I actually did know that. I just don't really pay attention to, to, to that sort of thing. But, you know... I don't uh, need to, but the fact that it's Joe Mikuluk is hilarious because he's the guy who threw that gigantic yes, hand in 2006. Yeah. Uh, he's still he's still managing Asheville as well. So, yep. yay Joe! Um, but yeah, anyway, after that Friday through Sunday, we've got our first series against the Reds. I should point out since it got announced that last week that it's going to be Jason Hamill, uh, Jorge De La Rosa, and Aaron Cook who are starting those three games. Jimenez is going to get full rest basically after the All Star game, even though he's probably only going to pitch two innings at most. Still, let's get the guys some extra yes. rest. No, and we we we've worked him hard, so I am fully okay with this because Jason Hamill's been fantastic. I'm not afraid of him starting whoever against whoever the Reds throw out there at uh, at at, at uh, number one. And Maybe it's just me, but I'm slightly worried about the other two guys. Uh, well, you know, that's completely fair with the way that everyone's been pitching lately, but I mean, Cook's gotten better, Francis really hasn't, but Francis will be starting the fifth game, he'll be starting against Florida, uh, that, that next series. We've, we've got an interesting bunch of road games coming up, we've got a really long road trip. Yeah, Uh, 11 games if I recall correctly. That's right, we have three at Cincinnati, four at Florida, and then four at Philly. Oof. Um, Wouldn't it be hilarious if, uh... If Dan Ugly goes and makes like a whole bunch of web gems or something like that against us, yes. And I, one thing that I thought was funny is uh, I always I always kind of giggle at the idea of uh, somebody trading a player from your team to the the team you're opposing right now in the middle of the series. That happened once. I think it was Adam LaRoche last year. Uh, that that's just a guess, but I think he was got, that when he went from Boston to Atlanta. 
I couldn't have been because he because that that that's interleague. So I, I guess it wasn't him. He did get traded twice, but it was from NL to AL to NL. So it wasn't him. Somebody got traded last year. Was it Kochman? Maybe. No, because Cochran went to the Braves and then to Boston. I can't remember either. It was well, just... almost happened this year with Cliff Lee. If the Yankees had got him, they gotten him. They were playing in Seattle like the next day. Yeah, he could have started against his former team the very next. I mean, day. everything I read on Twitter from like Buster Olney and stuff was saying that uh, there was be like a handshake agreement that they wouldn't do that. But uh, uh-huh. still, humor. Hello. Yeah, so it, it'd just be funny if, like, hey, we might as well go ahead and trade for Ugla right now, and then it happens in, like, the third game of that Florida series. Uh, and then he just shows up in a new uniform the next day. <laughs> well, no, before we sign up, funny story here. Um, Jay Johnstone used to be a player for the the, uh, the the Los Angeles Dodgers, like, back, you know, in the 70s or whatever, maybe even the 60s. I don't recall exactly. I, look him up. Anyways, one of the funniest guys in baseball. Just ridiculous pranks all over the place. I mean, just a really funny guy. I can't think of anything off the top of my head except for this one story here. But um, they went to a younger player on the team, and they said, hey, that's some bad news, man. And he goes, what's up? And they go, you've been traded to the Cardinals. Well, you see, they were playing the Cardinals in Los Angeles at that point in time. Mm-hmm. He says, yeah, basically you've been traded and you are playing with them now. So, uh you know, you might want to pack your bag up, and we'll uh, we'll let you come over and pick up the rest of your stuff after the game or whatever. So grab your gear and head over. <laughs> so he gets his gear together and heads over to the Cardinals dugout, walks into the clubhouse, and they say they all kind of look at him. And one of the guys says, "What are you doing here?" And he goes, "Oh." They told me I was traded over here, and one of their bench coaches is like, "What? You've got to be kidding me!" So he goes over to the manager and like throws his fit. And he goes, "What?" And you know, they're all thinking of it. <laughs> and, and it was all a prank. And it was all a prank. So okay. they go and they call yeah. up the front office and they come back and they go, "Dude, you haven't been traded. Get out of here!" And he goes over there and John Stone is in stitches and Tommy Lasorda is like, "What have you been doing?" Bad. Jay Johnstone <laughs> got fined for being, you know, for it, and the kid got fined for being a jackass and uh, <laughs> hilarity all around. So. Yeah, that I, I just thought that would be a good, uh, a, a funny thing to watch one of our players, you know, just kind of walk across the ballpark, you know, before a game starts. Uh huh. Yeah, especially if they actually told him the day of the game. It's like, oh, just just a regular day coming to the clubhouse. Uh, you're in the wrong clubhouse, buddy. We traded you last night. Like, what if it was like Manny Corpus and and like you know. Just Clint Barmas, just throwing names out there for for like Dan Ugler or something like that. And yeah, like everything and, would be different. And they literally just like walk across the field, get their new uniforms, and then that day they're all still there, just wearing different uniforms. It's it's like a prisoner exchange. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like on a bridge, and you see them walk past each other, and <laughs> yeah, nice. One side opens fire, and yeah. <laughs> all right, well, it's a, it's a good way to end uh, today's podcast. Uh, So I I think that wraps everything up. Uh, We'll see you next week on behalf of myself and Andrew. Take care.